Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a cold day. It was in the bleak midwinter in Europe. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't have very good central heat in this man's home. Uh, it was actually not much of a home. Uh, he was able to live in a uh, cloister, I believe is what they called it. Uh, kind of like a closet with a desk and a chair and a window and a candle and some parchment. A little ink well and a quill. He had fastened himself from a turkey he uh, turkey feather he found walking around. And the cold and the gloom, maybe they both conspired to lead this man to pen a song of hope. A song that we just sang. A, a song that, if you notice, is in a minor key. A, a song that feels a bit gloomy and ominous and a little down, a, a, a song that doesn't quite resolve. A song called, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know when. We know it was written before the 12th century AD, somewhere between the 9th and the 12th century it was written. It was written by a monk. It was written in Latin. And it was uh, actually nothing like how we sang it. It was in, uh, they called them antiphones. Antiphones were songs, were chants that were, that were sung. And they all started with the letter O. O come, O come. Have you ever thought about the start of that song? O, O, O. <laughs> It's not something we regularly think about, the O in that song. And there were antiphones, and they would sing these songs, and they would start with O, the first line, and the, the line would be in Latin. And there were all these popular antiphones. One was O Wisdom, O Root of Jesse, O Adonai. In fact, there were some antiphones in the, in the Latin, if you were to, to uh, sing it, and it would spell out a word once it echoed back to you. Of course, it didn't really work that way, but the way it echoed back to you in the Latin, it would say, uh, I'll be there tomorrow. O come, O come, Emmanuel. I'll be there tomorrow. Of course, that's not what we sang. Uh, we sang the lyric that was uh, translated for us in the 1800s by an Anglican priest. Some of you take up golf in your free time. This Anglican priest sat around and read ancient languages and ancient hymns in Latin. And then he found this one. And he was so moved by it, he thought, I need to translate this. I need to be able to share this. We need to sing this. In fact, this particular priest, his name, his last name was Neil, Reverend Neil. He knew 20 languages. He was brilliant. He's an amazing man. And he translated, O come, O come, Emmanuel into uh, English for us. And then that song made its way to England. And then eventually across the pond, 
to America and now to Rayberry where we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the, the, the chord structure, the music that we sing it with was actually probably written by uh, a group of nuns. Uh, it was actually in the uh, hymnal that was in Latin that this man translated. It's an ancient psalm. It's a powerful song. And at the very least, the, the monk that first penned it had a rich and deep knowledge of Scripture and of the Old Testament. And the language of, of covenant and Israel and waiting and anticipation. It seems that the church is a place that needs to call our society back to the practice of waiting. Perhaps you can't wait until we start to sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Perhaps you can't wait until we sing, O come, all ye faithful. Perhaps you can't wait until we start to sing, Away in a manger. But I wanted us to wait at least one week. At least one week. Because we don't wait well. And let me be super, super honest with you. I don't wait well. You know, we sing that one song about waiting. We'll probably sing it here in the next few weeks uh, because part of the theme of Advent is coming. Jesus coming, his first coming, his first Advent. Advent just means appearance, his showing up. Is getting here and Jesus first advent. We celebrate it through the birth of Christ and what we've uh, what we call Christmas. But advent is a season of of repentance and in introspection, a, a season where we wonder and we wait. Even the scripture that Daniel read for us in the the uh, the lighting of the advent wreath, it, it was about Christ's second appearance, his second Advent. And when we think of Christ's second coming, we we should pause. We should wonder. And we am I ready? If Jesus were to come, would I be ready for that? You know that feeling you're getting, guys, on Christmas Eve, and you don't have a present for your wife yet. And you think, I'm not ready for Christmas morning. I know, I'll just give her some nice, crisp $20 bills. Oh, the bank's closed. Now what do I do? Uh, you see, that feeling of not being ready, that feeling uh, I had Thanksgiving Day when I got my turkey into the smoker an hour later than I had planned. I'm not ready. Will the turkey be ready? That feeling when you're not ready, you see, that's what the season of Advent is supposed to invoke in us at some level is a time of contemplation and introspection of am I ready? Am I ready for his second return? Well, that was just free. We're not going to actually wrestle with that. We talked about that last week. and Hopefully more of you, if not all of you, are, are ready for Christ's coming. But today we're going to look at a, a passage in Matthew. And, and part of this passage is uh, Matthew's account of Jesus' 
uh, coming into the world. But he draws it up short of his birth. I mean, he gets to his birth, and we're going to skip that part today because uh, we're actually going to stop short of his birth because we ain't there yet. We're still waiting, right? And Matthew pulls the veil back for us, and he, he lets us in on what was going on with Joe, with Joseph. And there's a phrase in here that I just want us to, to wrestle with for a little while, to think about for a bit. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Now, right off the bat, you probably have, uh, if you didn't grow up in church world or church is new to you, there might be a phrase in there that you're like, okay, I heard that word Messiah, Handel's Messiah. Uh, maybe you haven't even heard of that. You've heard Messiah, but you don't know what that is. And Messiah is the Jewish word for the king, the crowned one, the one who reigns. This is how the birth of Jesus the Christ, you might have heard that word, Jesus the Christ. That's the Greek translation of the word Messiah, uh, the king. So try to wrap your head around that one. This is how the birth of Jesus the king came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, euphemism, you probably can figure it out. Talked about it a couple weeks ago. I'm not going back. Pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, they, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And I often wonder, what was that conversation like with Joe? Well, it tells us it didn't go very well. In fact, we're going to see here in a moment. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. In other words, when she told Joe, it didn't go well. Look, Joe, I've been faithful, but I'm pregnant. (laughs) Excuse me? You're going to blame this on God, aren't you? Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) That's what she does. (laughs) Poor girl, 12, 13, 14 years old, most likely. I mean, what a strange kickoff to uh, the birth of a king right we haven't even gotten to the crazy part with the manger and the angels and the animals and all that stuff we'll save that for a little while longer this is just the announcement that there's going to be a king born and this is the pregnant teenage girl telling her soon-to-be husband the news you know if you think that christianity is for cowards Weak people. If you think that following God is for people who don't have a backbone. Look at this young girl. I mean, imagine the conversation. Imagine the guts it took. Imagine the personal fortitude. Imagine she didn't know how it was going to go down. She didn't have the book yet. She had to walk into that conversation. She had to walk into there and say to Joseph. Now, before you get all crazy and go, well, angels showed up. Yes, they showed up. But after she told him. And isn't that how it goes in our life so much of the time? We find ourselves in a particular situation. We find ourselves with some information. We find ourselves having to say or do something out of faith. And we're scared to do it. We're anxious to do it. We don't know if we can do it. 
But we know we should. We know we must. And here this young girl does it. Isn't that impressive? Isn't that amazing? What a bold, courageous young woman. That's Christian faith. That's the gospel. That's people risking things. Life, reputation, future relationships, security financially. All that was at stake for this young woman. And before you put her in metropolitan Denver, where nobody's going to know who this young pregnant girl is walking around, you got to keep her in her hometown, Nazareth town of about two to three hundred folks good chance she's related to half the town Uh, you know one of those towns where you don't want to say anything bad about anybody because who you're talking to you might offend the well mary's my second cousin twice removed three times over from i don't know how it works i i don't have that many cousins everybody in town is going to know because she's going to get that little bump The courage of this young woman. Don't tell me that following Christ is for weak people. Don't tell me following God is for people who don't have backbone. This book is full of people like her who put it all on the line. For a God they love. That was free. I didn't even have that in my notes. Joseph was a righteous man. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. (laughs) Kind of hard. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. He was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to say, you know what? I'm breaking up with you. Uh, He was going to say, this whole marriage thing is off. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. A couple of things that struck me as I read that. And things that have been rolling around in my mind as I have thought about this text all week long. Did you see how the angel started out talking to Joseph? Do not be afraid. Now, do you think the angel is just making stuff up or do you think he has some insight into Joe? I mean, do you really think that's why he didn't want to marry Mary? Was because he was afraid or do you think he was thinking, you know, about himself? But... The angel cuts to the core of the issue, doesn't he? What was causing Joseph to to want to back away from Mary, to not want to take her as his wife, is fear. Because, well, how can you be considered a righteous man if you marry somebody like her? Did you see what it said? He was a righteous man. His reputation is on the line. Don't tell me people who follow Christ are weak people. Don't tell me people who follow God aren't courageous people. Here's Joseph, and he has the same decision Mary does. 
Are you going to listen to God? Are you going to do what he asks? Are you going to follow? Are you going to put your reputation? And by the way, before you put Joseph in Metropolitan in Denver and he'll just go find some other work. He'll just go find some other friends. He'll go just find some other drinking buddies. He'll just go find another bar. He'll just go find another. He's in Nazareth, his hometown. Town of two to three hundred people. He's a carpenter. Who's he going to make countertops for? Who's he going to make chairs for? Who's he going to do work for if he marries Mary? We might even have to move. He's putting it all on the line. So it continues. Let's find out if he does this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When when Jacob, that's funny. I don't think I have that on there. I'll save it for another time. It says, though, he woke up and he did as the angel said to do. What a gutsy young man. He was willing to place his reputation, his future business opportunities on the line for this woman because God told him to not be afraid. Now, do you see what they are supposed to call this baby? Trick question. What's the name of the baby? Jesus. Jesus, right? I mean, you know, for TV evangelist type people or Baptists, one or the other. Um, If you're a former Baptist, that's okay. Jesus is his name. This is the name that Joseph is instructed to give him. And the reason is why? Because he will save his people from their sin. He will save people from their sin. Right in his name, you have packed in the reason he's there. And by the way, uh, before you get putting Jesus into metropolitan Denver, where, you know, we don't know any Jesuses, they're all Jesus. Every other family in Nazareth has named their kid Jesus. And not just Nazareth, all over Israel, there's tons of kid named Jesus. Because everybody in ancient Israel is crying out, Lord, save us. Because that's what Jesus means. And back then, you know, we were sitting at our Thanksgiving table with my brother and his wife, which was really fun. Because we got to talk baby names with them, not because there's any news, but because they're married now and we can talk that way. And it's funny to watch them kind of talk back and forth about, oh, I like this name. Oh, I like that name. That's a cute name. That's an interesting name. Look at that name. But we didn't come up with names because they meant stuff. We just came up with names because we liked it or it was hard to make fun of. That's the reason why we came up with those names. Right? Some of you, you have a name that's too easy to make fun of. Right? My name is spelled with a P-H, Stephen. It's too easy to pronounce that Stefan. Don't be calling me Stefan. <laughs> I had English teachers, first day of high school English, who could not pronounce my name, first one or last one. 
Stefan Wincop? Here. <laughs> Stefan. Shut up. See, now you're all giggling. Now I'm going to be called Stefan the rest of my... We pick names because they're something we like to hear. We like the sound of it. Or it's hard to make fun of. Back then, they didn't pick names that way. They picked names that meant something. That had meaning with them. And Jesus, the name Jesus meant Savior. He will save His people from their sins. And there were a lot of Jesuses walking around because everybody wanted Yahweh to act. Everybody wanted God to save them. Everybody wanted the king to show up to remove Roman oppression, to get the taxes lower, if not out of there. That's what they wanted. They wanted a liberator. They wanted somebody to come fix things because things weren't quite right in the world for Israel at that time. And here there's a promise that the... Do you remember how Matthew started out? This is how the birth of the king went down. Let's paraphrase a little bit. This is how the birth of the king went down. Messiah. Jesus, the one who will save his people from their sin. That's where we get to kind of the crux of the matter of Advent season and of Christmas. We all like Christmas. Man, I loved Christmas when I was a kid. I loved it because my grandma was always good for about 10 bucks worth of the toy I wanted. She was awesome because she had the Sears and Roebuck catalog. This is long before the internet. Al Gore had not invented it yet. And we had the Sears and Roebuck calendar. And she would, like in September, tell us, okay, go through here. I'm going to spend about $10 on you guys, which back then that was quite a bit of money. I'm going to spend about $10 on you. So every one of the grandkids, you need to just go through and you circle what you want and put your initials next to it. And, oh, man, I sat for hours with the Sears and Roebuck catalog. One of my favorite presents that I ever got from my grandma was for my electric football set. Remember the electric football set? The one that's... You know. I got all the teams from the AFC West. Yeah, it's big time, right? It's less than 10 bucks. I wish I had it. It's probably worth money. And you got to put the numbers onto the back of the players. So I got these little, you know, putting little numbers on them. And then I put them on their little stands. And then for hours, I would line them up and just watch football in slow motion. And then you like you try to find the fastest stand for the Bronco guys and the slowest stands for the Raiders, right? That was the whole deal. And I love Christmas because every Christmas I knew Grandma was going to get me what I wanted to get. And she got me the AFC. <laughs> and I looked forward to Christmas. And I'm sure we all look forward to Christmas. But the message of Christmas is there is something to look forward to, but it has absolutely nothing to do with those gifts that you're wanting or you're giving. 
has everything to do with sin. Right off the bat, we're told this is why Jesus comes. To save people from sin. This is his... This is like if you were to ask Jesus to, to present to you a business card. Hello, I'm Jesus. Savior of the world. What does that mean? Here to save people from their sin. That You're going with that? That's your motto? That's your tagline? You're going to go with save people from their sin. Because Jesus, you may want to dress that a little differently. Because there's a couple of stumbling blocks in your little, you know, description. Let's start with the word sin, Jesus. Just really briefly, just inter- entertain me, Jesus. I'm a marketer. I'm looking at your business card. It ain't working for me real quick. Let's just look at this word sin. Because if you start out with, can you say like mistakes? You know, because everybody makes mistakes. I'm only human. We've written songs about it. Or could you maybe say... Could you maybe say um, errors? Errors is a good word. We use it in baseball. You know, those guys didn't sin. They just dropped the ball. Now, if they're the Rockies, it felt like sin. But, you know, errors or maybe mistakes or, or you know, ooh, just, you know, a little off. How about a little off? That's not bad. Little off, just a little off, you know. Just just sort of missed a little bit. Just not quite right. How about not, not quite, to save people from not quite being right, you know. Or how about let's, let's quit talking about the negative that you're against. Let's talk about the positive that you're for because people like positive messages. You know, sin's kind of a negative downer. Let's talk about the positive things you're for. Like, you know, what's your plan, Jesus? Are you going insti- to instigate and start up the kingdom of God? How about let's say king of kings and lord of lords. Let's put that on the business card. It's positive. How about let's put on the business card, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm here to, to clean up the kingdom, you know, or... I'm here to help everybody out. How about that one? I'm here to, how about, how about give me what I want? That's a good one, Jesus. How about we put that on there? How about, how about meet my every need? Let's put that on the card, Jesus. You know, wait a minute, I got an idea. How about, how about to heal me? Fix me up. What do you think Jesus' response would be? I mean, are all those things perhaps true of him? I mean, to a degree, but it says the the card that he carries, the, the name that he bears, the job description for Jesus is, I will save the people from their sin. Which in order to be in that group of people, my guess is you've got to admit something. You can't be like me arguing with Jesus about his PR. You've got to humble yourself. And you've got to say, I'm a sinner that needs saving. I mean, if you can't bring yourself there, then you've got no use for Jesus because that's what his job is. Save people from their sin. That's, that's why he's here. That's why he's come. That's, that's who he is. 
And if we fast forward a few chapters, that's why he died. That's why he rose. That's why he went to heaven. Because there was a sin problem to deal with. So interesting because um, I've been listening to this podcast called Unbelievable. And it's out of uh, England. And they sound really brilliant and smart. Um, and it makes me, I feel like my IQ goes up about 10 points just listening to them because of how smart they sound. And they're every week, almost every week, there's an atheist and a Christian that's debating things. And it's so frustrating to listen to this because the atheists don't see the world right in my point of view, from my point of view. I mean, they don't see evil for all uh, that it is. They don't seem to have a worldview that fixes stuff. I mean, if atheism is true, if there is no God, we just die. We just cease to exist. It's over. And there is no one out there to make things right. That makes me just so happy, doesn't it? Doesn't it just bum you out? I mean, there is no hope that things will one day be made right. There is no hope that the really evil people in the world, I, a couple come to my mind, Hitler's, Hitler, Hitler, it's a new guy, Hitler, Stalin. You mean they're not going to, there's nobody out there that's going to, that's going to bring judgment on people. It just ends. We just all die. It's so unsatisfying. I mean, let's not even talk about whether we go to heaven or not. I just think from a cosmic point of view of justice, it's so unsatisfying. That's why the Christmas story is so powerful and important because it's saying to us, there is a king. He has come. He will save people from sin. That's good news. Only for sinners. That's good news only for people who are humble enough. Only for people who are as brave as Joseph and Mary. To say, I've messed things up. I have sinned. That takes a brave person to do. Especially in our culture anymore. You see, that's the entry pass into church. Maybe you're new to church world and you think, you know, this is some kind of country club and this is some kind of dress the right way and say the right things and act the right way. No, no, just before we get this, do away with all pretense. The entry qualifications for church is that you've sinned. That's the entry qualifications for church. Like, if we had a process of vetting you out, <laughs> you know what the process would be? Can we follow you around for a week with a video camera and just see you mess up a couple times? Can we follow you around all week long and see you sin? Oh, yep, you're in. You're good enough. You can make it. You passed with flying colors. And that's the beauty of this. I mean, that's why uh, I'm like the chief bozo. I'm the chief bozo uh, on this bus. That's why I am qualified. 
Because I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. You see, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The Apostle Paul added on a little tagline to that. He said, of who I am, the worst. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate. And that's why Advent is so important. Because it is a season for you to take stock of your life. It's a season for you to look at yourself and just ask. Am I ready? Have I admitted to myself I sin? Have I admitted and confessed? That's the, that's the Bible word. Have I confessed to God that I'm a sinner? Have I asked for his forgiveness? Have I repented? You know, fortunately, the, the movement goes from light, or excuse me, darkness to light. Over the next few weeks, it's going to go from darkness to light. And I mean, not literally outside. It's going to actually get darker longer, which is a bummer, right? And that's why we have Christmas right then, because um, we needed a break from the darkness. So we all decorate trees and it gets pretty outside. That's my theory on it. I'm staying with it. We need that in our lives. We need light. We need hope. And over the next few weeks, we will see this hope develop in the person of Jesus, in the work of Jesus, in his coming of the first time and his coming the second time. And I hope and pray that every single one of you hear this as a hope filled message. The interesting thing is the message of Christianity, the message, the Christian gospel always has hope, but it's always in tension with warning. Always. And I can't resolve that tension for you. That's God's gift to you to resolve that tension in your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We thank you that that means God with us. We thank you that Jesus came to live amongst us. He put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We thank you that he came, he died, and he rose again. And Lord, in addition to that, we have great hope in his second coming. We look so forward to a righteous king showing up who will put the world to right, who will wipe away tears, who will mend sorrows, who will bind up broken hearts, who will fix people like me. Thank you for that hope and thank you for that hope that Christmas brings. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May we all experience 
that Jesus Emmanuel means God with us. Amen.